possibly was a little bit like watching an Irish team chasing a game. All they needed was to bring Gary Doherty on sort of up top and just get it up to him. But I think if they come up against a top team to test them uh, defensively, they might struggle. I mean, listen, we need to be mature as a nation and everything. Still, it would be funny if Senegal beat England. I think we're, we're allowed to say that without sort of it reflecting badly on us. I mean, it would be. Love is blind for Netherlands. Messi is A plus as Argentina edge Australia. And a Warsaw Pact defence might be needed to stop a French advance today. Later, we'll be joined by Pico Lopez to discuss Senegal's chances against England this evening. But first, Daniel McDonnell in Qatar. How was your Saturday? Yeah, it was it was okay. Um, I went along to watch Netherlands against the USA. It was my first time seeing the Dutch uh, in the flesh in the, in the competition. Um, it wasn't as close a game as I expected, um, as much as... I mean, it technically was 2-1 for a period, like with 15 minutes to go, and you're thinking, okay, is, is this going to be uh, is this going to be tight? Is this going to be a dramatic conclusion? But then sort of the Dutch put it to bed afterwards. And then, yeah, I mean, it, what were the halftime stats? I think it was like possession was something like over 60% or something for the USA, or certainly that ballpark figure. Um, but you always felt like... Um, the Dutch were in control and and like Pulisic had that missed chance in like what the second third minute when people were just settling into the game probably thought he was offside until you saw the replays um but it was only afterwards you realized what a what a what a big moment uh that was but yeah it was sort of a little bit a little bit underwhelming the game I have to say I think it was it was that second goal before half time from from Blinn's sort of uh killed it off really and um there wasn't a huge amount uh i don't believe anyway of encouragement that the usa could take from even the second half i mean they they were they were a classic situation that a team is 2-0 down yeah you get a lot of the ball you get certain amount of chances Mm -hmm. but the fact that that the dutch were able to turn it on and actually probably could have scored more on the break when they did um yeah, expecting a, expecting a, a a better game, and then I was able to to nip out and and actually have a bite to eat and watch uh, Argentina Australia, which probably delivered more drama um, than yeah. than Holland USA when it came to it. I don't know what your take on the games was, but that was certainly my feeling anyway. Yeah, it was a strange kind of day because like you go back to last Tuesday, and you know there was Iran USA, and every day since then, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there was. Every game you're watching almost, but with one eye on another game. So it was like, what does that goal mean for this team in the other match? What does this, you know, you had the, the Costa Rica, Germany, Spain mm. and Japan situation, that kind of madness. So it was kind of hard to get your head around watching a single game, which was just in front of you, without the permutations of what's going on elsewhere. And the kind of the, like watching, it's kind of, your head was kind of buzzing watching those games over the past few days. So when it came to it then that, you know, both games yesterday, I mean, for the, the sake of a neutral, if you like, you needed USA and Australia to go ahead in those games. And the fact that they didn't, especially in the Dutch game where, you know, they scored so early and then they got another one just before half time. And there was just an element of control really for from, from the favourites in both that had been missing from a lot of the group stages. And so like it was a perfectly normal, I guess, last 16 you know, set of games where, you know, you have 
you have group winners against group runners up and in a way that's what's meant to happen but I think underwhelming was the phrase that you used there and it it did feel a bit that way I mean the Aussies in fairness to them they they they, they put up a good fight but I mean the the messy like I know you always have messy masterclass and it was only Australia but you know we've seen other players like say you know the likes of De Bruyne and people who've who have thought of as been superstars for this World Cup who really failed to kind of put their team on their shoulders and you know Messi did that last night yeah look I think Australia got a little bit of a hard rap probably from from people during the tournament like I think they they're one who go out probably having given absolutely everything you know and probably pushed themselves to the ceiling of what they can achieve maybe like USA didn't quite do that I mean it's strange that today it is like it was USA and Australia like two two potential like uh, growth areas for the game, you know, that about have developed their own leagues and and um, trying to move along at a certain pace of of development. And I mean, the USA are further along the road than Australia, definitely. And where their players are playing, like you know, they're they're doing much better. But Australia were actually when it came to the crunch, they at least caused a little bit more problems for the the top dog they were playing. Um, and it was sort of comical watching them in the last sort of. Uh, a uh, few 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 minutes it possibly was a little bit like watching an irish team chasing a game in sort of uh, yeah. days of old where it was like uh all they needed was to bring gary doherty on sort of up top and just get it up to yeah. him um because it was and, and they got their chance like this is the thing like they did create their chance at the end and i think actually um and i think this is there's something in this like the uh i wasn't so i wasn't at the argentina game but the scenes of celebration afterwards you could even feel it coming through the tv and uh the emotion like the wave of the emotion that argentina bring with them like and and, and that's yeah. around their games it has to be draining for the players in some way too like i mean every big win is like a, a cup final style celebration and i mean that's wonderful right it's exactly the atmosphere that everyone loves and craves and it's 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 a very different feel in Argentina games to other games, but like it must be an element of it is like emotionally exhausting. Like there was an epic element to that game when, in fact, really uh, with a with a two goal lead, it should have been dull. You know, <laughs> like they didn't yeah. actually uh, yeah, should have been. kill it. Um, and I I don't know if like they come out of it with their reputation enhanced or more as you as you mentioned, like Messi like was sort of trying to put a couple of them on the plate for Lataro uh, in the last yeah. couple of seconds. And like, he kept doing it. But um, I, I was watching a game with someone and it was sort of striking that um, you would have thought with his age, right, there might be a half a temptation to like a 2-0, maybe even like, do, do you take him off? Even though um, yeah. like it's like six, six days until their next game, um, they had been complaining about the tight turnaround um, from their last group game to, to this one. And I kind of wondered, would they do it? But then you don't want to end up like Uruguay, where you've got Suarez on the bench and you suddenly need a goal, you know? And and yeah. um, and and that's the thing. Like, so Messi still had to give like give everything of himself for like the whole ninety seven, ninety eight minutes or whatever it was. Um, so th- yeah. th- that's your only slight thought. Like, did he come out with their reputation enhanced? I'm not sure that the, that it does. Yeah. It did. I absolutely see what you're saying. The amazing thing with Messi, like it, at times where he was holding the ball up, he was one of the only players who could bring control to the game. Where you know, some certain teams control the game by you know Manchester City at club level or Spain, where 
if they're winning, they'll pass the ball around the pitch and take the sting out of the game. Now, Australia weren't good enough, if you like, to, to press or, or that kind of thing. But Messi would get the ball and he'd just hold it for 10, 15, 15. What felt like, maybe it wasn't 15 seconds, but it felt like 15 seconds. And the Aussies, despite probably being, you know, in physical terms, maybe stronger and faster than Messi in that situation, he was able to just engineer space and a break and all those kind of things that, like the Aussies were very much, you know, it was it was attacking by numbers kind of thing that you get enough balls into the box launched from somewhere just inside the opposition half and you might get a break. But be, the one thing Argentina did quite well, particularly with Messi, was you know limited their ability to get on those balls by just carrying it up the pitch. But I mean, as you say, like if they play the same way against against Netherlands, you would expect Netherlands to have a bit more quality that they could open them up. So. It's going to make for it's going to make for an interesting quarterfinal, all right. Yeah, and I suppose I know, like I said, it was a slightly underwhelming day, but I mean, maybe it's it's the price that you pay uh, to get the heavyweight quarterfinals that you want. I mean, this is the slight dilemma around this stage of the competition that you're naturally rooting for the like. I would no, I can't speak for everyone, but there's always a tendency. <laughs> I'll go on, to, you know, go on the underdog, like you know, and a lot of Irish people will probably be rooting for Senegal against England, and I mean. I mean, listen, we need to be mature as a nation and everything. Still, would be funny if Senegal beat England. Yeah. I think we're, we're allowed to say that without sort of it reflecting badly on us. I mean, it would be. Um, or maybe that's just my personal opinion. But no. in, say, in saying that, in saying that, you'd love to see France play England. You know, and, and it's a similar, you know, okay, I don't, I'm not sure if Poland are, are the people's choice team with the way that they've played um, in the group stages, even in Poland, just sort of getting the f- flavour of what's around there. But like, uh, I mean, if if Australia had had some, you know, if they they taken that injury time chance and they brought the penalties and and be Argentina, right? It'd be an amazing story in the here and now. But then you'd be you'd have a week building up towards uh, Holland and Australia, and you you sort of have a feeling what way that one would go. Um, yeah. Whereas you get your Holland Argentina and your your sort of France England now, and and do you do you want that trend to continue? Like like you start to sort of salivate about Brazil. Argentina semi-final or yeah. Holland Brazil or whatever it might be. So um that that is the one thing about this round like you want you want drama but you maybe don't want too much drama <laughs> just in no. the context of uh these quarterfinals that we're all sort of eyeing up in our heads. Yeah. Well, as you said that England and France are both in action today hoping to set up a quarterfinal against each other. And after break we'll be joined by Shamrock Rovers defender and Cape Verde international Pico Lopez to discuss Senegal's chances against England. Pico, thanks for joining us. How are you keeping? All good, Aidan. All good. All good, sorry. And uh, enjoying the World Cup as I am. Uh, two shocks there the last few days. Yeah, there's been a bit of madness about the, the games. It's kind of almost feels like the knockout stage has started around early in the last round of games. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting. I think a lot of teams have, might be guilty of playing safe in the group stages, and uh, that's probably come back to haunt them now. Um, and as you say, it's come to the end of the group games um, and now teams can't, play, can't afford to play safe in the knockout status. So I think it's setting up for uh, a really good round of 16. Yeah, we discussed the African teams a fair bit last time. They've been pretty good. With, like, I mean, Senegal, Morocco, they've been strong. Ghana gave a decent account of themselves, obviously they came up short. Yeah, they've been, they've been really good. I think Morocco getting through uh, was fantastic. I think they're a really strong nation and 
Uh, surprising to see them, though, kind of a bit of an underdog in, in the group. But I think Morocco uh, had to show they're a really strong side. And I think they'd be a really big threat for anyone to get um, going forward. Uh, Ghana were, unluck- were unlucky today. Um, but in, in the end, I don't think they had enough firepower. Um, I was a big fan of, of Kudos in this tournament. Um, I thought he was exceptional throughout and probably the only one who can hold the head high. But um, I think attackingly, um, they just didn't have enough firepower and they, they leaked goals, which in a in tournament of football is, is never a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. What about Senegal? You had an interesting experience against him in the AFCON on your on a, on a personal yeah. level. Um, can you fill yeah, us in what happened there? Yeah, so you we, fill we, us in we what got happened? drawn. We got drawn um, to play against Senegal in the in the last sixteen. We made out of our group, and uh, we were actually quite confident about it. Although they're the number one team in Africa, uh, we looked at them playing the tournament, and we felt that they probably over relied on Mane to get a lot of their a lot of their goals and a lot of their attacking play going. And um, we felt we we blocked them defensively, um, but then uh, obviously the game panned out. Um, two days before, sorry, uh, half our team was came down with food poison, including myself, and that was right up until the to the game, which uh, probably finished my match forty five minutes early after getting sick at half time, uh, and then we went down to to nine men as the game went on. Mane pops up with with a goal um, after being concussed, um, so he got he went off once he scored, and then. We were pushing there towards the end and they got a second goal, I think, in the 93rd minute. But um, it was a fantastic experience, as, as, as I said, like to play the number one team in Africa, the team that went on to win the African Cup of Nations. Uh, it's, it's probably not a bad thing to say we were knocked out by the champions. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, in this tournament, I mean, the Mane blow that happened so close to the beginning of the tournament, I think people felt that might be a, a knockout blow for a one they wouldn't recover from. But I guess the likes of, I mean, Mendy has been brilliant, but the likes of Kubai and people like that have really stepped up. Yeah, definitely. And look, don't get me wrong, there is some big leaders in, in that team, as you mentioned, Mendy and, and Kulabali, like, and even like Sarah has that experience of playing at a really high level with, with Watford. Like, um, so they do have some like, standout stars. Um, and to be fair to them, I, they look good defensively. Um, I think it's at the other end of the pitch where they struggle to, to score goals and maybe have that attacking threat and really pin teams back for, for large periods. Um, but um, yeah, they've done well to get out of the group and it sets up a nice tie against England. And how? What do you what do you make of our chances against England? Um, I I find it very hard for them to to progress. I think uh, with the the strength England have in attack, um, I think it'll be too much. Um, again, the only weakness I see in England is probably the defence. Although Maguire and, and Stones and and Cole have been really good so far. But I think if they come up against a top team to test them uh, defensively, they might struggle. Uh, I just don't think Senegal have that threat uh, without Mane at the moment. Um, and I think they'll have too much for, for, uh, for them in attacking areas to keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. And if you were like the, the centre-back's hat on, if you like, where, you know, England obviously came up front, usually pushing up against the centre-backs. And then you have those guys in behind them coming from all angles. Is it a communication thing from a defensive point of view to just make sure that everyone's switched on or can you organise your shape in such a way do you think that you know, you're able to not necessarily negate that threat but kind of reduce it you know, so guys aren't running in behind you? If you were, like, say if you were setting up to play against England in your own position, what are the sort of things that you'd be really keeping an eye out for? Um, definitely, obviously, Kane is a big one. Obviously, being centre half, um, you mightn't find yourself up against him um, a lot of the time because he likes to drop in and do his uh, do his work like sort of deeper. And then when he's in the box, he, he's such a threat. So I suppose yeah, you're, you're talking to your midfielders just to let them know uh, where Kane is at all time. And when he comes in the box, you know you have to mark him. Even if it doesn't look like he's going to get the ball, 
it seems to find its way uh, to him. Like, and I suppose you, you, you are organising your, your defensive units. Uh, England have such a threat in wide areas, especially like the Saka play, Golden plays out there, Rashford, who's uh, starting to hit a bit of form. Like, uh, so you need to be good 1v1 defending uh, and you need to help out your, your team all over the park. Um, it's going to be really difficult for Senegal, it's even from an organisation point of view, as you say, the, the movement, the combinations that England uh, possess. Um, you can do all the talking in your world and you still might get undone. So you need that bit of luck as well. You need a goalkeeper to have a good game. But um, yeah, I, I just I just feel it's probably too much for, for Senegal at this moment. And just moving on to, to uh, the other game on Sunday with, with France and Poland. Of all the teams that went through, I think Poland had probably... There was very few people other than let's say polls, very few neutrals, should we say, supporting them in, in the way in the way it happened. Can you see them doing anything with France, or is it just, that's like it looks a very very tough tall order? Yeah, look, you know what? I actually fancied them to to beat Argentina. I just thought um, after Argentina's uh, last game, I thought if uh, Mexico um, had a bit more about them in attack, that they could actually get something out of the game. Uh, it wasn't to be, and, and, and Argentina obviously won the game. I just felt with likes of Lewandowski, I know Milik was on the bench, like I just thought they might have a bit more of a, a threat, but I thought that tactics were, were all wrong against Argentina. They isolated Lewandowski, they dropped off the game and were part of, sort of like happy to kind of, yeah, just lose the game and, and hope the the result went to them in the in the other game and the end of down through on, on yellow cards, like which is a... Uh, it's it's not something you want to sort of leave it down to. It's not you want to don't want to leave it in, in the hands of yellow cards. Like you want to be there on merit and try and win the win the game, qualify out of the group. Like so, after that performance, I can I can only see France winning. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So France and England for you and set up a, an interesting quarter final. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a great quarter final to talk about. And I think I suppose from from a neutral point of view and, and as a spectacle, it's probably the quarter final uh, you want to see as well. Like uh, two big uh, teams who both fancy a chance of. Of making it to the semi final or, or the final, uh, going at it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's my prediction. Hopefully, it comes through. So, Dan, we heard from Pico there expecting a strong Senegal showing, but ultimately expecting Min to go through. Would you be of a similar opinion? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think the, I mean, there's a few angles around England that are interesting like what team will they go with um i i noticed like some people around the game were sort of wondering would they would they be sort of back four for the groups and and maybe back three for the knockouts there'd been a little bit of a chat around that um uh you know has rashford's performance in the last game caused any kind of dilemma or do you still go with sterling similarly with sort of Foden. Uh, like Pico mentioned, say the width of of you say Saka and various options, but um, mm-hmm. like you know, again, like you know, Jordan Henderson was up doing a bit of press this week. Um, you know, are, are they going to go with sort of Rice and Henderson and Bellingham, or just two of them? And there's just a few little yeah. things around it. But um, what you have to say about England is they probably have um, one of the strongest benches in the competition, and. Even if I can envisage a scenario where Senegal, and I've mentioned this before, like they definitely have the ability and they show that against the Dutch, like that okay, they're probably learning a new way even to play without Mane, right? They, they you know, as, as Pico yeah. mentions, like you know, as a Pico as a player preparing to to face Senegal, 
Um, you know, sometimes what you believe to be true is true that they were just thinking about how you stop stop Mane. It's, so yeah. they, they might play that down in the media beforehand and say, no, they've got loads of threats, but like deep down, that's what they're thinking about. Um, yeah, Senegal without that, you know, they you, you they might maybe they're learning to operate in different ways themselves, and and you know, it might develop you know over the longer run, they might gain something from that. But I think that even if they do manage to frustrate England and, and take them a long way, and who knows, maybe even take them to extra time. Not that I can totally see it happening, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. But yeah. then England, in whatever scenario we're talking about there, they're, they're able to say, let's say they're able to bring Foden off the bench or Rashford off the bench or Saka off the bench or Grealish off the bench if Senegal yeah. are sitting deep and they suddenly want, you know, they're around the area, so you want someone who can do things around the box. They've got so much that I find it hard to see um, that shock. Funny as it would be, um, I, I would yes. find it hard to see it happen. I don't know what your take on that is. Yeah, like, I mean, again, as you said, England-France is the sort of thing that you really, I mean, you do you do want to see that. You, you want to see that game at this stage in a World Cup. I think, like, the Rashford one is an interesting one. So I, I thought in the first half the uh, other night, I thought he was really poor. I thought he was dreadful. Uh, getting the ball, giving it away, as you've seen sometimes at Manchester United on bad days where... You know, teams are joining in, their players are joining in an attack. He gets the ball, tries to pass it inside, gives it away, and the opposition are attacking. And that was fine against Wales. Um, I think it'll be punished against Senegal if he plays. But of course, he steps up, bangs in a free kick, a minute later closes down someone and sets up the second goal and then scores another one later on. And suddenly it's Rashford been fantastic. Rashford hadn't been part of the conversation at all, really, when initially when they were, you know, when they were poor against Iran. The conversation was Foden or Grealish, you know, why aren't one or both of them playing? Rashford wasn't really in the discussion. And now, from Southgate's perspective, he's in the discussion. So they have another player to add into that kind of six players going into the three behind Harry Kane. So there's obviously pressure on Southgate to get the team right. And unless they go on and win the World Cup, you can be guaranteed that in the game they lose, Southgate is going to come in for criticism for not picking uh, whichever players that he leaves out so if he leaves out you know he could perfectly you'd be perfectly reasonable staying with Sterling given what Sterling's done from over the years and leaving out Rashford but if you go if they go out then the the clamor will be why didn't he pick Rashford and vice versa as it goes I do think though as you say then like they, they have kind of you call them rugby at times you call them game changes rather than substitutes where you have like the players they can bring on are all they're similar but they're slightly different enough to cause a defense a, a different problem where you know, if you have, if you bring on Grealish for Foden, Grealish runs at them more. You know, Grealish really engages defenders, whereas Foden tends to move the ball. So whatever scenario you need, they tend to have on the bench to bring on. So, like, I think it'll take them past Senegal. Whether it'll take them past France or not now, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. And again, there's always that defensive issue again. It hasn't been, Harry Maguire has been great for, you know, heading away crosses, uh, which they have had plenty of against Wales and Iran and USA. I don't think they'll be as Senegal would be as direct as those teams. So I think England's defence and Maguire are going to be asked different questions today and for the rest of the tournament as it goes. Yeah, no, I, I can see I can see your your angle there on that. And and I I don't know, like do we expect that that sort of um you know that Senegal are just going to sit off them completely and then it becomes a case where it's uh more of the counter-attacking threat and and you know you see England sort of the 
the, the defenders press on a little bit more because they, they say like you know Maguire and Stones that they like their passing you know and that's the certain elements of why they're in the side um, are that side of it but um, could Senegal sort of ask them a, a little bit more questions going the other way a little bit of pace in behind them or down the sides of them or whatever which we I think we spoke about with mm-hmm. with Gary Breen last week and yeah there's 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 a, there's a few ways you can you can look at it but I, I think um. I think overall, I, I, I'd imagine England should still have the quality to, to deal with this. Yeah, I think so. I think we're both going for England wins there. And France and Poland, you mentioned Poland earlier on. I think of all teams that went through to the last 16, they were the probably the least popular given the way that they went through with the potential for yellow cards and then only went through for sure because of Saudi Arabia's, Saudi Arabia's goal against Mexico. I mean, like... Mexico and France would be something you're probably looking forward to. Poland, France, it just has that feeling of, you know, it's, France will just have too much quality and Lewandowski be like an island up there waiting to get the ball. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the game I'm going to today, so I'm hoping it's better than that. Uh, you've put me in a complete downer before I uh, get ready to go. Sorry. To <laughs> at, at least I am going to a new stadium, though. It's Al Tumama, which is... Uh, I'm trying to get to all eight of the grounds. So I did five in the groups, but I'm, I'll, I'll be doing six. This will be number six. Education City is seven. I think I'll have all eight. Um, I'm going to go to Morocco Spring and Education City, and then I think I'll be at all eight by uh, if I can get into Netherlands, Argentina next week. So, um, which is up in Lucille, the final venue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I see the, the, the polls have been getting a bit of grief back home. It's the first time they've reached the group stages since 1986. Or sorry, first time they've got out of the group stages since 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, one of the reports I saw mentioned it was uh, something along the lines of, you know, we won't tell our grandchildren how they got there. You know, in years to come, <laughs> like they'll just they'll just bury the the true story of how they did it. Italian ninety, um, Italian ninety four, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. Like the Romania game was very good, actually. Um, but now the 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 I mean that, that that's it. Does the end justify the means for them, really? Uh, and I think their coach is sort of suggesting now that they might um, they might step things up. Uh, that that effectively has said, yeah, we we you know it was about not losing prior to now, but now we're going to go and play. You know, and I think that was one of the headlines in the in the in the Polish papers on Thursday was along the lines of "Let's play ball." Like, why aren't we playing ball? Um, so it would be great if that would be the case. Um, that that the, I suppose we spoke a little bit about Croatia and how they um, behaved in the you know in the second half of the Belgian game, where suddenly they were just they were hanging in there. And I mean, you can see the angle. As to how suddenly when it, when it flips around to it's like you were saying you were distracted almost by the lack of another game, and you know maybe you like Poland always had this element in their head, um, uh, you know with the Argentina match, whereas here everything is in front of them, everything that they have to do is in front of them. Um, yeah, I, I expect France to go through, right? I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna yeah. say anything anything different, um, but I sort of wonder. Um, could could Poland produce something a little bit better uh, when it comes to it? And France, um, well, they were good against Denmark, for example. Like they did, they did not nearly go two one behind. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, at a key point, and their record in the Nations League and the last year has been a little bit indifferent. And um, they did lose to Tunisia, albeit with a second string side. Um, like, like I, these knockout games, and I know it didn't happen yesterday. Um, 
uh, like there's a little bit of late drama, as I said, we mentioned Argentina, Australia, but there's always a game that surprises you by being a bit closer than you think. And um, could could this be the one? You know, could could Poland sort of take it a little bit further? I'm still going for France to go through, but I feel like yeah. uh, in one of the games today, um, are they just both going to be like yesterday, where, where you know there's a two goal lead for the the favorite with 15 minutes to go? I'm I'm not sure that would be the case. Um, so maybe the polls have pushed them a little bit further. Uh, you know, they, they'll they'll have that backlash to the back, you know that that response to the criticism they've received themselves and and lift their game a bit, but. Still, ultimately, with the 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 end result, I mean, like you know, it's the great thing about like I've enjoyed watching France so far, just because like it's not just about Mbappe, but it's the attention towards Mbappe. Um, you know, it gives them ballet opportunities, Griezmann's movement even mm-hmm. around them, um, like the even Rabio, the off the off sort of um slated Rabio yet he's got himself into a lot of decent positions like he's actually been very yeah. impactful uh in terms of i suppose uh i don't know is it expected goals or expected assists or like he's definitely been around uh the 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 sort of business end of 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 a lot of chances and i think a lot of that is the anticipating the breaking ball almost around Mbappe and what comes off Mbappe um yeah. and he's he's been quite effective at that um, so I think they'll do it, but um, they don't necessarily have as strong a bench as England either. Um, so they, they're, they're sort of maybe it's more about like their first eleven, say, showing up rather than necessarily yeah. killing people with what they bring on later on. Yeah, I think in terms of his expected results, then it's very much France and England to go through. But hopefully, for anyone watching or even at the game, the Poland following through on their promises for a bit more of an expansive game. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Aidan O'Hara and tomorrow we'll be joined by on the Indo World Cup by Gary Breen to discuss Japan against Croatia and Brazil's chances as well. Please subscribe if you haven't already and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.